0: Today is Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros Pita. is trying to rewrite the Bible. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. That's you doing your part. You can also email us, Quick at CBN.org. You know what we're doing here, getting through the news of the Cray. Joining me as always to get through it, Billy Hallowell-Trey is on vacation this week. What's up, Billy? Happy Mini-Monday to you.
1: Well, you know, Trey's on another ski trip in the middle of the summer.
2: I don't know how he manages it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Always celebrating Christmas, that one. Uh, We we can't stop it from happening. But once again, Billy, we've got a busy one. And you are talking to somebody who escaped out of the occult
1: yeah, this is a really interesting story. Talia Scrogan's uh, grew up in a Christian home, ended up in the occult. We'll talk about how it happened and how she got out and what she's doing now.
0: All right. Looking forward to that. Also on the main thing, as you promised on yesterday's podcast, Pastor Greg Laurie sharing a little bit more about what sparked perhaps the largest baptism event in U.S. history. So we'll have that conversation coming up here in a little bit. But first. We're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. A mob of parents and suspected Hindu activists in Western India attacked a Christian principal of a private high school after it was alleged that he asked his students to recite a Christian prayer. High school principal Alexander Reed was assaulted by a group of parents and suspected members of hardline Hindu organizations back on July 4th. A video of Reed's assault went viral on July 5th as he was brutally attacked by a mob and shouting and chanting as Reed ran to escape the group. And the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, they've used AI, namely ChatGPT, to turn the Bible's book of Genesis into an animal rights religious message filled with vegan teachings left-wing organization is now targeting its new modern version of the book to members of the Gen Z generation, and they're promoting it as a cruelty-free story of creation. And a bald eagle was gunned down in Pennsylvania. Local police are vowing to find the culprit. Bald eagles are considered one of the country's greatest wildlife preservation success stories. And it's two hundred bucks now because they were not endangered anymore. But they're trying to get that raise back up to two thousand dollars for a fine for killing one of these animals. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. Real quick on this bald eagle, Billy. Uh, my son, who's twelve, has taken a liking to birds, and so I know more about birds now than I probably should. But this is—I I don't understand what people are doing. Why would you want to shoot a bald eagle?
1: You know, I don't. I don't understand that. I will say, gosh, unborn babies must want to identify as bald eagles right. at this point right. in this country. That's true right? too. I, mean, I hadn't thought of it that oh way, gosh. but you're
0: absolutely right. They're going to freak out over a a bird, which uh, which is sad. But you know, you're right. It would be nice if we had the same level of concern for babies being intentionally like, don't, killed. In don't the
1: womb. don't. Don't touch the turtle eggs or kill the birds. <laughs> um, but you know, the babies. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's very bizarre. I don't know why you'd want to shoot a bald eagle just yeah. for fun. I mean, it's not it doesn't seem fun to me. I don't I don't get it. Yeah,
0: I don't either. But of course you've got PETA here on a related note. This is the kind of stuff that concerns me with you combine the story. you've reported many times on how illiterate, biblically illiterate America and Americans currently are. And then when you have, it sounds silly, right, that PETA's changing around, the book of Genesis. and But at what, like, think about 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, are people
1: going to even know what
0: the actual original
1: biblical texts are? Yeah. Well, OK. Who else is rewriting the Bible? We just talked about this. China. China. Um, yep. So it is. Now, obviously, I think these liberal organizations doing this, they're looking for attention, right? They want to yep. get attention. There's no other reason you would rewrite the book of Genesis using AI than to get attention. You know, but I think the dangerous part of this is that there's already so much confusion. Only four percent of the country is Bible literate, essentially Bible engaged. And now you've got all this competing information. It becomes even harder for people to understand. Already people have remade the Bible in their own image. Now yeah. that's being put on steroids and you have actual fake holy books pretending to be the Bible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, um, I, you know, we'll see how the trend goes. But, you know, I, I, I don't think it's something that we should just blow off. Right. And just kind of laugh off. Right. It's it's like you said, it is an attention grab And maybe this isn't the one that sticks, but I do think you're going to see, over time, um, different governments, like you said, China, try to institute this stuff. They're going to ban certain teaching. I mean, we're already called as Christians bigots and hate mongers for having a biblical view of marriage. We're already called that now, today. So we'll see how it trends, but it's certainly something that I wouldn't take lightly. So.
1: No. Yeah, and you shouldn't. No. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's important to be aware of these things, and we've got to keep on the AI not just to criticize it, but also to find ways to use it to reach mm-hmm. people because it's going to be a big thing.
0: Yeah. Not. It's not going away. That is a hundred percent for sure. So, all right, we're going to move over here to the focus story now. And Tyler Scroggins was depressed and trapped in the occult, but after an incredible interaction with Jesus, everything changed. So what? is the story here Billy.
1: Yeah, you know, this is this is one of those interesting ones we're talking about young people and confusion. Her story is intriguing because she's in her 20s now. She's still young, but when she was a teenager, she was introduced to the new age when she was in high school. And <clears throat> a lot of times this happens because you meet somebody or you know somebody who you're close with and they're engaged in new age practices. And even though she grew up in a Christian household, a family friend, someone she was close with, came over with an astrology book and they had this textbook of astrology. They were showing her and she had never really seen it or heard of it. And suddenly, you know, they telling her, look, you know, you can find out, you know, look, look to the stars to find out your future and who you are. And she became enthralled with it. And she called it sort of this seed of deception. So the devil planted this in her in her life, this one interaction with this, you know, loved one. And before she knew it, she was practicing astrology. She spent 11 years as an astrologer. She said it, it became her worldview. So the Christian worldview she grew up with was essentially pushed to the side, and she still practiced, she still went to church, but this astrology and what she called darkness really overtook much of of her life. She said she ended up with this false explanation of how things Mm. should be, and she believed that it was true, right? She kept validating it with her own practices, and she said, I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know what the Bible said about the occult, about the darkness, about the battle. I just knew the good things. And so I became an astrologer.
0: Hmm. That, that is really, really kind of scary, to be honest with you, that it was just, it wasn't like this big, long indoctrination string that got her into that. It was just that one interaction. And I think it's incumbent on us. And that's a reminder as parents that, man, we need to be vigilant about the things our kids consume, when, especially when one little thing like that can kind of send you down the wrong path. So you talked about how she got into it. How did she get out?
1: Yeah, no, that's so important what you just said, because that's exactly what happened to her, right? She she said she only knew the good things about mm. God. And yeah. I thought that was really interesting because we need to focus on those good things yeah, and the hope course. that we have. But we've talked about this on the show. You have to understand evil as well and and how that dynamic works. And so she ended up um, going pretty deep into depression. When she got to college, she was disappointed in God. You know, she's still practicing this astrology and all this new age and, and magic and all this stuff that she's gotten herself into. Um, but she talked about the spiritual immaturity that she suffered from uh, when she was 18. She said she would cry for hours. She couldn't explain why. Um, she got involved in a party lifestyle. And she said the more she partied, the more she craved the astrology, the witchcraft and the divination, which I thought was also very interesting. So you asked how she got out of it. She really hit rock bottom. She Mm -hmm. had suicidal thoughts. She um, thought about ending her life. She hadn't done anything to try to do that, but she was basically feeling as though she had no reason to live. And another family friend. And this is why it's so important when we speak into people's lives to realize the impact that we could have. Um, Another family friend was praying for her and her family and happened to be at her house one day when she was there. And she's like, look, I want to pray for you and prayed over her. And, you know, she's big into deliverance. And we've talked about that on the show here. Um, This, this friend prayed over her and she, She said she felt a weight was lifted. It was really a powerful moment of coming back into her faith. And she said there was a huge weight lifted off of her and felt that that experience was essentially supernatural and led her into a deeper relationship with Christ. And so just as seamlessly as she got into it, she came out of it, which I thought was really Mm. uh, pretty amazing just through prayer and the love that this family friend showed her.
0: Yeah, it is. It is crazy when you said she's in her 20s. It's like, wow, that's quite a life journey to go on already in your 20s to have been where she started, where she went, where she is now. That's pretty wild. And um glad she's out of it. But what led her now to then speak out and go public about all this?
1: Yeah. You know, she, she really felt healed. She, she said, God completely healed me. He set me free. And, you know, over time she abandoned all those practices clung to Jesus. But during COVID as a young person, she was coming out of college. She's looking at everything that's going on. And she saw what we've talked a lot about on the show. We've got numbers backing this up, this massive expansion of young people getting into the new age, getting into crystals and magic and, you know, looking for hope because God has been stripped out of everything people trying to find that hope in, in the wrong places. And so she felt so overwhelmed by that. She's like, look, I want to share Jesus. I've been set free. I want to help other young people. And so she started sharing her testimony online, trying to expose astrology and the new age, all the things she was engaged in, started making videos and getting a lot of attention on those videos and making a pretty big splash Um, by just trying to, again, share her story and share the Lord. And, you know, that's how we've connected with her. She's sort of blown up on TikTok and on social media. Um, Again, not just sharing the testimony, but really poking holes in the things she once believed to be true that she now knows. Not only were they not true, they were leading her into a place of evil.
0: Mm, Wow. Amazing story. And I can think of a few reasons why this is important. What, What do you think are kind of tops on the list as to why this story is crucial?
1: I think there's a lot of people getting trapped in things that they believe are going to lead them closer to the Lord, things that they believe are going to help their spiritual walk. And and there are even a lot of Christians, right? They'll integrate horoscopes and all these things into their lives thinking like, oh, this is a continuation. This is something God's given us when very clearly scripture has told us, do not engage in those things. You're not showing faith in God when you're relying on all of these other things. And so it's just, it's essential, I think, because she's relatable, right? A lot of young people are going to look to her and say, wow, like I'm just like she is, or she was once where I am. And so having young people, A, be devoted the way she is, but B, I think speak out on this is essential and key for where we are right now.
0: Yeah. Especially when you have, we've said it before, but social media and the things that that's pouring into kids and the screen time, it's Honestly, it's really shocking when you just go go to a school, go look, observe around a, even a middle school and look at the kids just staring at their phones and TikTok, all these apps that are just endless scrolls of things that are pouring in and you don't know what is being portrayed or what the general stream of consciousness they're getting from that feed because they can tailor it however they want. It's uh, people the world are pouring into your kids and into you. And so we have to make sure we're actively, I mean, it's a spiritual battle, right? I mean, you've talked about it um, recently on the podcast, Billy, on uh, Ephesians six, we are in a spiritual battle and I think social media, just like anything else, but that's kind of an accelerant is something that's trying to push us away from God a lot of times. And we need yeah. to be actively fighting against it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think the other thing you you just touched on—it's not just about our kids; it's about us too. Right, yeah. I think a lot of us, a lot of us, are like, "Oh, we're fine; we can watch <laughs> right. whatever we want." And it's I like, keep scrolling. No.
0: yeah, right, no.
1: right. I mean, we're, we are also, and we're all guilty. I know you're. I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty yeah. of it. But what we watch matters, and it affects what we think and how we think about the world around us, even as adults.
0: Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Well, great stuff there. Good story. You can uh, check out the interview over at faithwire.com and cbnnews.com. All right, we are going to move on over now to the main thing and the legacy of Pastor Greg Laurie's Jesus Revolution movie. It continues to build. The film is helping to spark what might be the largest baptism in U.S. history. Billy sat down with the preacher himself to talk about these baptisms and
1: what unfolded this past weekend. That's today's main thing. So, Greg, you held the Jesus Revolution baptism this weekend at Pirate's Cove. What was it like to see 4,500 people get baptized?
2: Well, it was really overwhelming. You know, we announced this and we expected a good turnout. And we were pretty surprised when 3,800 RSVP'd. And we wondered, will all those people show up? Well, they all showed up and more showed up. So, and the way we track this is we actually gave baptismal certificates to every person who was baptized. And we gave away like 4,300 of those. And then there were at least 2, 3, 400 more that were baptized and didn't get a certificate. We had a line. You have to try to visualize this. If you've seen the Jesus Revolution movie, you remember that kind of rocky background. That's called Pirate's Cove. Well, outside of that is a bigger beach. And there's a seawall. There was a line of people a half mile long uh, to get into the cove because we have one staircase. So we have to take people down, baptize them, send them back up, and have more people come down. And, And so it's logistically really challenging. But, you know, everyone wants to be baptized in this spot where the movie was filmed. And I get it. I was baptized there 50 years ago. It's actually beautiful, very picturesque. And uh, so it, it was overwhelming. We had to just do it in stages. It took hours. I had an army of pastors and elders out on the water to help me do it. And it was just fantastic. You know, at one point, the line really got slowed down because an older couple, the gentleman was 85 years old, was taking longer to get down the stairs. But when we met him, his story was so amazing because he watched the movie at 85 years old and accepted Jesus into his life. I mean
1: imagine so he was not a believer. He was not a believer before seeing that film.
2: Not a believer. Saw the movie, accepts Christ, and then his family said, We never ever thought he would come to Christ. And the funny thing, Billy, about this movie is it it sneaks up on people. You know, I think people kind of build up a wall when they're gonna hear a sermon or a preacher. But you know, when you watch a movie, you you sort of lower your guard, you get emotionally connected to the characters, but You know, John Irwin and myself, we were very intentional in wanting to get the gospel in the movie, not preaching at them, but presenting it in a way that was understandable. And clearly, people have understood this and have accepted Christ watching it. Well, yeah, and, and it was
1: great storytelling, right? That's that's the thing. It brings you along your story, you know, getting a chance to to see how that unfolded, you know, thematically. I think that that was the powerful draw in, and then you see the gospel through that in the film. You know, you did that. You held this event over the weekend, and it's interesting because a few weeks back. There was another event, a separate event, where, where Christians came together. And I think that one was uh, it was like 4,100 baptisms, yeah. a little over that. That was called the biggest in American history that we know of on record. Yeah. This one was bigger than that. This might be the biggest in history in general. Um, it's it's kind of hard to figure that out definitively, but but it seems like that might be the case. What does that feel like to know that because you shared your story in this way through the film, that, that you were able to
2: hold that kind of event? Well, you know, it's a funny thing. You know, they say life imitates art. And so first, art imitates life. You know, we have a story. Art presents that story through a film or a book. And in this case, Jesus Revolution. But now, life is imitating art. People see the movie, which is based on the true story, and they want that to be their story. I never thought we would have the kind of response to this movie that we've had. And it's going all around the world now, Billy. It's been in the UK, Ireland, Scotland. And I read comments on my social media. People said, we're in a packed out theater in Scotland. And at the end of the movie, people stood and cheered. I thought, wait, what? I thought there was British reserve there. You know, it, it really touches people emotionally. I run into people all the time. They want to tell me how they were moved by the movie. And the one thing I hear again and again is, I cried. And I think it touches older people, like people of my generation, we remember. We feel like our story's being told maybe and heard, maybe in a way it hasn't been heard in a long time. So I think it's great for an older generation, but what's super cool is it's connecting to a younger generation, because they connect more to the younger Gregan character, uh, characters played by Joel Courtney and Anna Grace Barlow. But but the greatest thing of all, is not just that people are enjoying a film, but that they want to accept Christ and specifically want to be baptized. I I saw a TikTok video of a bunch of young people that watch a movie and literally went down to Pirate's Cove Beach like at two in the morning and were baptizing each other. Then I heard a story of people that got baptized in a fountain outside of the theater. And then of course, everyone coming to this event, there were probably 20,000 people there at the beach. Wow. And, and it, it was insane. It, but it was well, it's not an
1: easy area. To, like you were mentioning, it's not an easy area to navigate no. or to to get to. So the fact that that many people came, I'm still stuck on this story about the eighty five year old man. I keep coming back to that in my mind as we're talking here, because, I mean, this is a guy who is at the end of his no. life. I mean, what th- there's an obvious answer there, but I think we need to dig into it because what does that show us? I think a lot of us we give up on people, right? We assume no. they're never going to come around. Why is his story so important for us to kind of look at as believers and recognize, hey, you know, it's never too late?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that the first truth is what you said. It's never too late. Never give up on people. Never stop praying for people. You know, folks saw the movie. They know the story of my mother. And people have asked me what happened to my mom in real life. Well, my mom was raised in a Christian home. They went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But my mom rebelled against God and ran from him for most of her adult life. And literally six months before she died, she made a recommitment to Christ. I had the privilege of being with her and praying with her on that day. But, you know, she waited to the end. But don't give up on people. I heard another story. It's a, a, a man in our church and his wife. They've been trying to reach uh, his uh, brother and his wife for years. And they were just, we don't want to hear it. We don't wanna talk about Jesus. And those people on their own ended up seeing the Jesus Revolution film, Accepting Christ, and now they're actively involved in in a local church. And so my friend was saying, how is it that all of our efforts to reach them all these years, you know, didn't work and this happened? Well, I think they were sowing the seed and watering the seed, but there's something about this movie that disarms people. And I think, you know, when, when you go to a movie and you connect, you know, you connect to someone in the movie. There's a lot of people to connect to, that that it, you're sort of on the journey with them. And and I think there's power in a personal story. The ultimate power is in the gospel. That's where the ultimate power is. But the personal story, in this case, the story of Greg and Kathy, or Chuck and Lonnie, or young Greg with his mother, or even Chuck and his daughters. All these stories interwoven. People will connect to it. And, and it opens our heart to the gospel.
0: All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation with Pastor Greg Laurie. And it's just, it's amazing to see this re- reaction. Like, I never know what to make of this. I'm like, man, this is just, other than to just say, it's one of those things that's a God thing, right? It's It's God showing, you know, everything's a God thing. God's in everything. But there are times when he acts and you're just like, that has to be God.
1: Yeah. And I mean, look, all of all of Greg Laurie's life seems to be that way, right? Like the Harvest (laughs) Crusades, like all of these things, God just works through him. I think these baptisms, though, coming at a time when culture is crumbling, there's something going on there. You know, it's like the spiritual battle is very discernible. You can feel it. Right. And (laughs) but it's cool to watch people finding Jesus in the middle of that mess.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And and he's out there in California, right? I mean, that's where yeah, all of yeah. his operations are. And so that's interesting. You know, an interesting fact about this podcast, Billy, is that a lot of our listeners, I mean, we they're from the places you'd expect on a podcast like this, you know, the South, Texas, et cetera, Florida. But California is right up there. When you look at the statistics and who's listening to this podcast, that that kind of surprised me. I mean, there is there is a contingent out there, believers in California, and um they appear to be uh hungering to seek after god so that's really cool to see but i'm carrying on here and we only have time here for one last thing so what do we got
1: (laughs) psalm 27 some trust in chariots and seven horses but we trust in the name of the lord our god and i love that right don't trust in culture and the craziness around you trust in god it's simple it's timeless it's true Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we shall
2: return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.